Are you sick and tired of professional development that is a waste of time and not practical? Do you want to learn from an SLP in the trenches? Do you need some strategies for dealing with a large caseload? Are you ready to start feeling confident in your lesson plans without planning and prepping for hours? Are you ready to keep your students more motivated to learn? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, it's time to try out a different kind of PD for SLPs. Speech Time Fun PD, the PD for SLPs that love what they do just like you. Enroll in Speech Time Fun PD today and get access to 14 one-hour mini courses that you can view on your time with tons of TPT resources and more. Head to speechtimefun.com courses to enroll today. Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. We are a podcast that discusses burnout, mental health, happiness, and ways to be more content in your life and career. Today's topic, ways to be happier and ways to care for your mental health with Rachel Archambeau from the PTSD SLP. I'm Sarah, and I'd say a few ways that I care for my own mental health are journaling and long walks, of course, while listening to podcasts. And I'm Sari, and a couple ways that I've been caring for my mental health lately are going to bed on time and incorporating yoga into my nighttime routine. We are just thrilled to be interviewing Rachel from the PTSD SLP. Rachel is an SLP who talks openly about her experience with PTSD following the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, where she was present in 2018 for that school shooting. She uses mindfulness, discusses mental health, and offers resources that support SLPs in their work and out-of-work worlds. Welcome, Rachel. We are so excited to chat with you today. Thank you guys for having me. Rachel, thank you for being here and for offering us your tips for SLPs looking to focus more on caring for their mental health. First off, why is mental health important to you, Rachel? Um, mental health is important to me because you, you need to be proactive about it. Um, you want to have coping mechanisms in place for when things aren't going well, even though they might be going fine at the moment. Um, at my school especially, I work at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, we had the shooting in uh, February, February 14, 2018, and really... I saw people neglecting their mental health and hitting rock bottom before they got help. And I want people to have a plan in place for when things don't go how they think they're supposed to go, Um, especially for students. I want them to be able to discuss mental health and lose the stigma overall about mental health. So it's definitely very important. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Can you share a little bit about what that looked like when people were just suddenly hit with with hitting that rock bottom. What did that look like for some people? So a lot of the time it was like a panic attack, right? So it happened in February. We had summer, our school ended in like June. And then we came back after summer in August. And we had these weird fire alarm issues happening that they were going off. And that fire alarm triggered kids and and uh myself and other coworkers and everything so you would just see kids 
like huddled wherever they were, shaking, crying, um, running to whoever their safe person was. And um, if this happened at not our school, if this happened like in their house that the fire alarm went off or they were in a restaurant and this went off, um, it they would freak out. You need to have these plans put in place coping mechanisms that whether it's grounding, like I know where I am. Um, I see five things I recognize. I smell these things. I am not where I was. You need to have plans put in place for before that rock bottom that kids weren't able to talk about what was happening. Some people were like, Oh, I don't need to go to a therapist. It's not that bad. And then it did become that bad. You need to have plans in place before it gets that bad. Yeah, that's one of those things that is so important to talk about, like you said, because and some people will just put it off and put it off until something happens. It would be naive to say that, oh, well, maybe that'll never happen to me and not prepare yourself for a mental, you know, breakdown or or the need that could arise because life happens to everyone and, and you really do need to have some skills in place. Right. And even like, I don't want to make it seem like this traumatic experience that I went through is something that's going to happen to everyone. It's not. Um, This needs to be at a smaller level too, for when things at work aren't going your way, for when um, it just gets too overwhelming. Because I've been there. I'm, I'm relatively new SLP and you need to have coping mechanisms in place for when things get too stressful. So I experienced it at a higher level with what I went through traumatically, but it's overall really good to have a plan in place for your mental health at a less stressful level for when things get to be too much. Absolutely. And speaking of mental health, what does being healthy, whether that's emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, physically healthy, what does that mean to you? So it's funny because the first couple months of school, People have been telling me, you look really healthy. And for me, I'm not taking that so much as a compliment. (laughs) I'm I'm interpreting that as you put back on the weight you lost. Um, Because after everything happened, I lost a significant amount of weight in a very small time. And that was just how my body responded to stress. But being healthy, it means taking proactive steps to keeping your health. Um, Whether that is going to the gym, going to therapy, um, if medication works for you. Um, then then do it. Um, self-care is a must. And I know you guys talk about it a lot on this podcast. I'm so happy about that because especially people working at in the schools, we're, we don't know how to do self-care. We don't put that as a priority and it needs to be a priority. Mm-hmm. Right. In the, in the schools, especially, there's a lot of people who tend to be very selfless right. and don't uh, don't take care of themselves the way that they should have. I 100% agree. So online, Rachel, you talk a lot about how mental health can manifest physically, which is something that Sarah and I both have firsthand experience of. And it's also something that we wish more people knew about. Can you tell us more about that? Definitely. Um, so like I was just saying, um, I have a, an Instagram called PTSD SLP, and I posted my physical transformation from stress. So what happened at my school was Valentine's Day 2018. And right before that, I was in the best shape of my life. I was going to Orange Theory Fitness two times a week and had like a a very major transformation. I, I posted a picture of New Year's Eve from that year 
which was two and a half months before everything happened. Then I posted a picture of a month and a half after what happened um, while I was at brunch with friends. And it's, it shows the weight loss. Um, I lost 20 pounds over just a month and a half. Um, I lost the gains that I had in the gym. Like in the first picture, you can see I have muscle tone. Um, I look healthy. And after I'm just skin and bones, like my clavicle is, is exposed and I don't look healthy. And I didn't really see it on myself at that time. It's not until I look back at the pictures now that I am shocked about how I looked. Half of the teachers at our school lost weight and half gained weight. When I would talk about not being able to eat, and that's just how my stress was affecting me, people at the school would be like, oh, poor you, kind of like mocking me like, oh, I gained a lot of weight and you lost weight. That sucks. I gained back the weight. I'm not feeling super comfortable with how I look now just because I lost that weight, gained weight. That's a, It's a lot of weight to be thrown around in general. I also work three jobs. I haven't been able to go to the gym, so I don't feel like I'm physically the healthiest I've been, but I'm taking care of myself mentally for like the first time in my life, which is it's interesting. I'm putting that as a priority. I'm making sure that self-care is there, but I want people to know that stress looks different on everyone. The timeline for healing is not a straight line. It's up and down and people can look different before and after trauma. And that's okay. I always felt weird with people congratulating me on how nice I looked after everything. Because although I was skinnier, it was from what happened. It was stress. It was not eating. It was all these terrible things. So even commenting on people's weight now, I'm like, oh, was this stress related, like major weight change? Was this I just, I don't do it. I don't comment on people's weight in general. I, it's uncomfortable for me. And especially in school, I work at a high school with impressionable girls that are already very concerned about their weight. I never want to be the one to be like, oh, you look great today. And they haven't been eating. Like, I don't want to reward anyone for that kind of behavior or, or I would never say to, to a girl, you put on a lot of weight. Like it's, it's not okay. So physical stress shows differently in everyone and it's something to be aware of yeah and it can be weight gain or loss it can be headaches right. back aches trouble sleeping irritability uh there are so many ways that stress manifests that i think people can be like oh wow my back hurts i must have been sitting weird but it's like no my back hurts because i had a super stressful day and i was holding in my anger or you know whatever whatever it is um have you found stress manifest in aches and pains for you or the people you work with as well definitely um i know for myself all my stress is in my neck, my shoulders. I My posture is not good in general, but also sitting in a chair is not good. Um, all day, I'm sitting all day. Also, I go to, I work at a private practice after school and I'm sitting in tiny little kid chairs and that's not good for my back. But I do notice that when I'm stressed, my neck, my shoulders, I'm just hunched over and I have to go home. I put some icy hot on, um, I definitely carry all my stress in my shoulders to the point that I even get headaches sometimes. So I do make an effort to make sure that I take care of my shoulders. When I feel myself slouching like that, I try to make myself sit up. And it's 
it's not because I want people to look at me like, oh, her passion, her posture is bad. I want it to be because my body needs to reset. That's how I need to view it as I'm fixing my posture to make my shoulders feel better, to make myself feel better and to not get those headaches. It's all a circle. As you're talking, Sarah and I just sat up straighter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, yes. So sometimes Sarah and I discuss that for a lot of SLPs, mental health gets put on the back burner. And I wanted to ask you, Rachel, why do you think that happens? And do you have a piece of advice that you could offer up for an SLP who just wanted to start slow and easy with improving their happiness and mental health? Yes. I think that health gets put on the back burner because it's not visible like a physical injury is. Um, And the second reason, because there's a stigma around mental health. Um, There's a meme that my, my students actually showed me that says baby boomer. And it says, I heard your uncle's cousin's sister's best friend went to therapy, like in a whisper. And then the millennial says, LOL, everybody, guess what my therapist told me? Like, (laughs) very very outward about it and I crack up seeing that because I my grandpa's 91 years old and he just found out that I had been going to therapy and he he kind of said it in a whisper and he's very open about everything but he he like kind of said it like so no one else in the house would hear it and I'm like yeah I've been going to therapy like louder and it's true the the generations before us were told to put their feelings in themselves and not worry about it to get over it. And I feel like now we're encouraged to talk about those feelings. Um, So there is a stigma attached and for SLPs, self-care is the most important thing to improving happiness and mental health, uh, especially starting out in a new job. Um, And self-care I've learned is, different for everyone. If you like to lay on the couch and watch Netflix because it's calming, do that. If you like seeing your friends, make plans. But I feel like it's important to understand your personality first when you go to self-care. I find a lot of um, pictures on Instagram, especially that's like self-care, call a friend. And for me, that's more work. For me to make plans with someone, for me to reach out, that's hard for me. And that's not necessarily self-care for me. I'm the one that likes to sit on the couch and do Netflix. If someone else plans something, that's perfect, but it's hard for me to reach out to people and make make plans. Um, I'm an introvert, and I know that um, making plans is a lot of work for me. So know know what you need for self-care and do it. Don't let people guilt you in, oh, you're not going to go out today. You're not going to get up. Like, no, I'm. this is how I'm taking care of myself. I'm feeling good about this. And you, you need to listen to your body and how, how to help yourself. So self-care is really the biggest thing that you need to do. And yeah, I hear a couple things here that I just want to restate because they're so good. And one is... Um, starting therapy before you feel like you need it, before you feel like it's an emergency, right? And then the other is thinking about uh, what's fun for me 
And what's fun for me, what's relaxing for me might not be relaxing for other people. And to not have any guilt about that and just enjoy it and take care of yourself, which actually transitions to some of your tips. You have five tips for us today for SLPs who want to practice better self-care, slow down, have more fun, and care for their mental health. So can you share those with us? Yes. So uh, my favorite book is Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. And my favorite quote from that book is good for you, not for me. I want people to have this mindset that people can can be doing things and you don't need to do those things. You see um, SLPs in, online posting these amazing thought out lesson plans. And I just have to say to myself, good for you, not for me. I'm not creative like that. And I can't force myself to make these beautiful outlines and lesson plans. And it's okay. It's okay that I'm not doing those things. Uh, Number two, try not to take work home. I know that's easier said than done. Um, I have email on my phone and I don't stick to that rule all the time. I try to answer back pretty quickly, but I've been able to cut down on the amount of work like computer wise that I'm doing at home. And that does make me feel better. Be proactive with mental health find a therapist before you need one. So I I know how overwhelming it can be being put into a new job and not knowing the setting that you're in, transferring from setting to setting. It can get overwhelming and to have a therapist in place to work through these hard times is easier than going to a therapist and them not knowing you and having to throw everything out there and then fix the problem. One thing that I've been telling myself is do one thing for just yourself each week. And if that's buying something at Target, just treating yourself, I will do it. And that's harder for me. I I can't reward myself, but I like to do things that make me happy once a week. I build that into my schedule. Did you do one thing during the week that was just for you and not for another person? I, I have to build that into my schedule. And then the biggest thing that I can give is to take days off. You're entitled to them. Um, especially with our school. I was one of those people that did not take off school, did not take off work. Um, I found it very anxiety causing to take a day off, especially in high school. Like I was in AP classes. If I took a day off, I'd be missing so much. So I'd I'd go to school like deathly ill um, in order to avoid missing any work. That's carried over into my work life that my first year, I don't think I took a sick day. I don't think I took anything. And then the second year was when everything happened at the school. And a lot of the teachers felt in kind of a responsibility to stay at school, not take a day off because the kids needed them. And then finally, when it became a breaking point, like I need to take a day off or else I will explode. That's when you saw people starting to take off. And now our school does not have a problem taking off. We, we take off a mental health day here, a mental health day there because we need it. And we put that priority ahead of everything else that we need to do this. And we also model it for our students. It's okay if you need to take a day off. That is the most important piece of advice I can give. Take days off. Mm-hmm. And on a day, if you were to take a mental health day off, what would you do? What would that look like for you? Ooh, I would probably sit on my couch watching TV. Um, 
I also have a dog and I like taking him to the park and that's calming for me, just sitting outside, um, watching him play, playing with him. Um, and really just, I like to be alone and that's, that's a self-care thing for me. Being alone is, is quiet. It's calming. Um, it, it would just kind of be sitting in silence because sometimes with three jobs that we just talk and talk and talk, I need silence to reset. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yes, 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 yes. And so on this podcast, thank you for sharing those tips. I'm going to go over them, I think, really quickly just to recap. We have Good For You, Not For Me, which I love that book. Amy Poehler's book, what is it called again, Rachel? Yes, please. Okay, I listened to the audiobook and I highly suggest it. She had some like bonus stuff in the audiobook and it was really funny. I was I would just be like walking down the street laughing, listening to this <laughs> while I was going on my walks. Uh, try not to work from home. Be proactive with mental health and find a therapist before you need one. Do one thing just for yourself each week and take your days off. So... Uh, we have a couple fun things we were hoping to do with you if you're game before you go, which is first, uh, on this podcast, we do try to share some lesson fails, and it's a lesson that's gone wrong that was hard at the time, but it's maybe hilarious after, way after. <laughs> and I've shared about the glitter that I never got out of my carpet and the child who ate my sensory bin contents. Uh, so I'm I'm winning, <laughs> winning at birth. Uh, so do you have a lesson gone wrong for us? I definitely do. So um, I have a student that uh, came to the school. He transferred over as a sophomore. Um, and he it, he has autism, high functioning. Um, and he, we just did not, we did not mesh when he first got there. He would just argue with me. Even if I said the sky was blue, he would yell at me that, no, it's not, just, just to argue with me. Um, so it took a really long time. The one thing that I found that he would tolerate me for was sports. I can hold my own talking about sports. And he has this really amazing memory that he knows all these statistics, all these facts, and it's pretty incredible in just any sport. Um, so it was football season. Luckily, we were talking about football and his behavior. Uh, we had a couple things that I wanted to correct. So I ended up making this really crazy football behavior chart. I went out, I got a poster board. I made this whole football, uh, football field. I made it like to scale. And I had this whole plan about moving him up, uh, to make a touchdown by the end. And I had all these rules. I collaborated with some of the football coaches just so I got everything like correct. I wanted this to be exactly like the game of football. Um, so my intention was having these yellow flags as penalties. So one of them was delay of game. And it was for if he talked too long, um, because he, he would just talk over people. And it was really, really not good in the classes. So that was one thing I had false start or offsides for when he interrupted a teacher talking over cut off students, and he has to stop talking. I had personal foul uh, for when he had a bad behavior, like screaming, loud voice, um, if he was physical with anyone. And the consequence consequence would be dad is going to be notified. And then I had roughing the passer for arguing with teacher, talking back, saying no, um, all these things. 
So it gets to the day that I'm going to implement this with him. And he just completely, he goes, this is a really small football field. Like that's the one thing that he got hung up on. And he just could not see all the work that I did, all the collaboration. This took hours and hours that I was planning. I ended up having to throw out the whole poster board. Like he didn't, he didn't respond well to that, but we kept the flags. So all those flags I gave to the teachers, I had them on a keychain, and anytime he had one of these behaviors, the teacher can just throw up a flag and with big enough words that he knows what it is. If it's delay of game that he is preventing the teacher from talking, that was enough to get him to be quiet and the teacher could finish the lesson. Um, we had no issues with being physical anymore. Um, it really worked, but it was just so funny how I put all hours worth of preparation. I collaborated with the other coaches and had this like 100% foolproof plan and he just walks in and looks at the game and's like this is not the size of, of a football field that's what he can get and it just drove me crazy but we now have a great relationship and we haven't needed to use these cards but I've since used them for other students that have the same behaviors that's a really great idea and and it definitely makes me cringe on the inside thinking about how much time and effort you put into making this resource for him and and then to just I think we can all relate to like having something like this happen but uh, to have him just completely oh that's that's really small that's not that's not the right size <laughs> but I I just looked at him and just went, really? Like, this is the issue? Because he's so fact-based. And so if it doesn't fit into his, I there was nothing that he could catch me on. And then he just walks in and just all the work that I had done, he, he can't see that. I don't know. I think he was just trying to fight with me about something. But he ended up really changing his behavior. And, and it just needed to be those flags that that worked and didn't need the whole football field. So it was it was a win overall. Yeah. It just it still makes me laugh to this day that it's, it's hilarious. I'm glad it had a happy ending, though, because that, that would have been tragic if the whole thing had to yeah. just be saved for another student. But it's neat, too, that you can use it with other kids. Yes. It's been awesome, actually. Any any of my kids that are very sport based, especially football, it's they are able to really understand that roughing the passer. What does roughing the passer mean? Okay, I'm not allowed to rough the passer. Like it, it works really well. That's awesome. So, Rachel, to end this episode, we are ending with uh, what we call a lightning round of questions. And we usually do this at the beginning, but they're so fun that we thought we would save it for last this time around. So I wanted to ask, are you, are you up for those? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Okay. Rachel, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I think I would go to Australia. Um, I love that accent. I'm very much like an accent person that I, I can hear people talking and I immediately have to know like where they're from so I can confirm whether I knew it or not. Um, I love the accent, but also I think it's just crazy that they've got water, they've got hiking, they've got um, all these different landscapes that you can enjoy. And I, I really, really want to go to Australia. Good choice. Good choice. So I saw on your website that you've done the Enneagram personality test, which Sarah and I are huge fans of. What is your Enneagram type and do you identify with it? 
Yes, I am a six. And the the test that I took, it said six wing five, which I don't really pay attention to the five because I identified so much with the six. Um, one thing that really spoke to me about the result that I got was that it, you make your choices based on anxiety. And I don't think I realized how much anxiety I had until um, I looked at the decisions that I was making. And then I was like, yeah, I definitely am not, I'm overly early to everything because I'm anxious about being late. And all these decisions that I was making were were from what this test was telling me. I I love the Enneagram stuff and I made all my friends, my my brothers, I made everyone take this test so I could see what they are. Sarah is also a six Mm -hmm. and uh, it also means you're a really good friend. So I think I am. I think I hope that is that is the case. I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, you've also mentioned memes. You mentioned memes before in this podcast, and I saw a funny meme um, resource on your account. And I know you already shared one with us, but do you have another favorite meme that you can share on the podcast? That's a hard one because I really could just spend hours and hours looking up memes. Um, I like I like the SpongeBob ones. Um, I don't know if that's because being a millennial or whatever, but I actually on my door at work at, at the high school, I use memes a lot to like say where I am. So I have one that's the meme of Patrick saying like, why don't you go here and then go here? And it's why don't you come to class or why don't you come to speech and then go back to class? Like it just is like kids were skipping and whatever. So I, <laughs> my kids thought that was so funny because they're like, have you seen the show? Do you know what SpongeBob is? I'm like, do you know what SpongeBob is? But any of the SpongeBob ones are super relatable and they're, they just come up so often, like different ones come up at different times over the years. It's crazy how relatable they are. That's hilarious. And I'm sure your high schoolers are all over it. (laughs) They are. Rachel, who is Dougie? Oh, Dougie is my not so golden golden doodle. He's black. Um, he is a standard golden doodle, and he's about seventy five pounds right now. He he is my emotional support dog. Um, I got him exactly three months after Valentine's Day of twenty eighteen, and he is also trained to be a therapy dog. I've gone through four six week courses at a training center. And I'm, I'm working on bringing him to Stoneman Douglas with me. But as of now, I've been taking him to nursing homes, um, private practice, and he is the greatest. I named him Dougie after Stoneman Douglas. Um, and I think the name just fits him. If you can imagine like the derpiest dog you've ever seen, he's not <laughs> coordinated, but he's also so, so smart and so warm and loving. And he just... If I'm not having a good day, he'll come and just cuddle me. And then other times he he will just, he's very independent. I think we have like the same personality that when you want to be lovey, you can be, but otherwise you just want to be on your own. Mm-hmm. You should post more pictures on Dougie as a side note. Oh, I will, <laughs> that is, that's a challenge. It's on. I will. Put it on. Does Dougie, adorable. does Dougie have his own Instagram account? He does. I think it's Dougie Golden Doodle. Um, and I, I post him on the PTSD page pretty often. I've actually, I haven't used his page too much because I've been focusing mm-hmm. on the, um, 
the PTSD one. Uh, but I have been posting a lot and especially about the differences between emotional support, therapy dog, service dog. So you will be getting way more pictures of him. Excellent. Awesome. So I have three more quick questions for you. The first one is, uh, what was the last thing you splurged on for your therapy room? I got three, I think they're called mind quests. They used to be, um, my parents used to play it with us in, Mm -hmm. um, in the car when we were driving and it was these trivia questions. And I think that like made me a trivia nerd to this day that I like answering trivia questions, but they actually at target had all these grade level ones. I have a lot of kids at the high school level working on like a fourth to sixth grade reading level. Um, and it's curriculum based. So I bought three of the books and I've been working on like my lower functioning students working on those books and they love it. Brain, brain quest. That's a nineties thing too. I I did that Mm -hmm. too in the car. Same thing. Yeah. So I heard that you're into craft beer. Do you have any craft beer tasting traditions that you'd like to share? Tasting traditions. Um, my favorite type of craft beer is a sour, which is definitely not something that if you're, if you don't like beer that you just go, yes, I'll take a sour. Like not, that's not the progression you take. Um, I also was just on a cruise over summer and weirdly had this taste test thing um, that people I met on the cruise were encouraging me to do. And I guessed correctly different beers, definitely not craft beer, but it was like Bud Light, Coors Light, uh, Angry Orchard and uh, Am- was it Heineken and something else. I correctly guessed four out of five before my palate completely just burnt out and ended up that the cruise director was sitting next to me in like civilian attire and told me he was going to buy me dinner at the steakhouse. So I ended up guessing all that. And now if you go on this cruise line and if you see any taste test happening, it's because it was me that started this whole tradition. So it will, it's a, it was a really fun moment, but craft beer in general. Um, I live in Fort Lauderdale and it's become like a really hot thing to uh, have a, a brewery. So there's a ton where I am and I like exploring the different breweries around. Uh, yeah. And with the sour beers. So I'm from Portland where we are very into craft beer. And uh, I would say if you're listening and you like kombucha, you yeah. will probably like sour beer just because the, of the fermentation process. And my favorite beer ever, I can't think of the brand right now, but it's a cherry sour beer. Ooh. So like, I, I, I really like the fruity sours. So yeah. give it a try if you ever see one around. Yeah. And that's definitely the thing with sour beers is the first one that I ever tasted, like tasted like straight vinegar. So try the fruity ones first. If you like kombucha, definitely a really good tip. Uh, avoid the vinegary ones because that will scare you away from sours forever. (laughs) (laughs) And my last question for you today, Rachel, is what was your job in college and in grad school? I was um, a a waitress. I started and then I moved up to bartender. Um, I was working at a sports, a big sports chain. Um, And it, it, I love waitressing that was a lot of fun and then bartending was just a lot more fun you can connect to all your your customers at a better level when they're sitting in front of you for hours and hours I love that um so yeah I was a bartender and then technically a beer tender when I was working at craft beer bars and wasn't so much dealing with the food um and I I did that all throughout undergrad and grad school I was working 
like from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And then I would go to my classes. Is that how your interest in craft beer started? That was. I kind of just got thrown into it that uh, the first restaurant that I was working at had had a lot of beer choices there. And I really I didn't understand the nuances in beer. And I just thought all beer was the same. But once I was working there, I saw the differences and it, it became like a fun trivia thing for me, learning the names of all the beers and the names of, of them are just so funny. Um and I learned as much as I could about it. And I actually am a certified Cicerone, a beer taster. So um, that that was something that the jobs I was taking just for extra money while I was in undergrad and grad school became a hobby. And that was a really cool trade-off that I got. And while this isn't part of our lightning round of questions, I have one more request for you, Rachel. At the end of our interview episodes, we always invite our guests to share a self-care tip or challenge for our listeners. And I was wondering if you had either to share with our listeners today. Um, I, I guess I think I would take a personality test. If you truly don't know like what you do for self-care or if you don't think that you currently prioritize self-care, I would look at what your personality is. Are you an introvert? Or are you an extrovert? What makes you feel good? If Is it... Um, I, I'm definitely an introvert. So for me, staying at home and, and not, I guess being alone is, is a nice thing. I also like to be around friends, but it's really difficult for me to plan activities with my friends. So self-care is just making sure that no one guilts me into, oh, come out with us if, if I can't do that. It's taking care of yourself, watching TV. Um, going out with your friends, if that's what you want to do, going to the beach, uh, exercise, whatever you feel makes you happy, do that. And don't let other people guilt you into another form of self-care because that's how they would take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, there's the Enneagram, there is the Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Are those the main ones? Do you, are there any others you suggest? Uh, not not by name too much. I think those are the big ones. I love the Enneagram stuff, and I'm not sure what my Myers-Briggs is. Um, I just know that I'm definitely an introvert. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, even just understanding your personality in general, you don't need a test to help you. I think it does help for, for it to narrow you down. Um, but I think a lot of people will be able to say, yes, I am an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Um, I don't like doing this. I do like doing this. Make a list, pros and cons of doing this. Um, just listen to what makes you happy and, and do those things for your own self-care. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's your self-care challenge is to take a personality test. There's even super fun ones out there like uh, BuzzFeed has a ton. And like what what Gilmore Girls character are you, you know, start with an easy one. Or like what Harry Potter house do you belong to? And kind of dig in dig in deeper if you like those. Yes. Thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us today. Where can our listeners find you? Um, on Instagram, they can find me at, at ptsd.slp. And on Facebook, I think it's called PTSD Resources for SLPs. And it's a closed group. So I'll accept you. <laughs> Excellent. And that's our time for today. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, 
we hope you come back sometime and that you had fun today. I'll come back anytime you guys will have me. Okay, because we loved having you. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you liked this show, you can support us by sharing this episode with a friend, text them this episode, and let them know about this awesome conversation we had today. And of course, please keep sharing your screenshots of you listening in to this episode. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on Instagram or Facebook as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed this show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time.